I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. Hello, and welcome back to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. This is Chris Derrick, the interim host. Uh, Hilliard and I will be back together next week. This will be bottle episode number five. So, we're still under lockdown. Everyone, I believe, thinks the lockdown is going to last till June or later, which is crazy. But that's just how it is. Um, it just causes more and more disruption and we'll see what happens i guess was people are gonna be curious because like all the content that's on the streaming sites is going to get watched up by a bunch of people um and they're going to be like a, a serious need for stuff although i don't even think that stuff that new stuff will get produced this year i think that what will happen will be people will come back in the midsummer and they'll do some deals and start some stuff but all those insurance problems and flying people to places and shooting and on location, which is going to have to ha- happen so much, um, it's going to be difficult unless they bring production back to L.A., uh, like all those shows shot up in uh, Vancouver or in um, Atlanta or just other places. Um, that stuff all might go away for a little bit because of the travel and the insurance. But even then, when the fall comes and this virus comes back, because it's in, it's designed to come back um, for flu season again. Uh, you know, we'll see. Or maybe they'll we'll, they'll institute what they institute. They're going to institute in Italy with these. You, you get these. Uh, passes, these antibody passes that say that you're cool. But anyway, um, just, just so who knows? But it's a great time to write. Uh, it's a great time to see what you can create because that's what keeps people going. Um, you know, there are all these periods of the uh, plagues and stuff in the Middle Ages and during the Renaissance where people did create really fascinating stuff. Um, so there's there's precedence for cool stuff coming out of these periods where the Earth is trying to fuck with us. Um, but what are we going to talk about today? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about craft, um, about feature craft, because I'm working on a new feature right now and uh, I was doing something for how I outlined this, which is a little different, but I came across something that I read in an old written by um, magazine. Was, that's the WJ magazine written by. And it was the one with uh, Barry Jenkins. And he talks about a technique that he picked up from the woman who wrote Bring It On. Um, it's interesting what she was talking about. 
which is basically you say, okay, I have my beginning, middle, and end. And then I do the beginning, middle, and end for the beginning. And then the beginning, middle, and end for the middle. And the beginning, middle, and end for the end. And then I break that down again for the beginning, middle, and end of the beginning section of the beginning part. So, and then the same thing throughout, so on and so on. So, so essentially, you, you come down to having 26, sorry, uh, 27 beats that you want to fill out to help tell your story. And you have all these little mini stories that you tell so that you know that there's the right momentum, you know, because part of what makes a screenplay work is, you know, is the momentum to the next element of the story, those transitions. Like the transitions between a certain moment and then the next moment is those sequences is so critical for how you write a movie. And that is a, a technique that I use to write this project that I'm working on because um, it's kind of complicated in terms of what I want to do with the emotional arc. And it's a science fiction piece and I'm trying to just keep as much of the science fiction at a minimum as I'm writing and not get overwhelmed by it because that's the that's always the uh, what you call it that's the the trap you fall into when writing science fiction is to fall into the whiz bang and not worry about the, the humanity of the project because that's what's important to make like any project work but specifically science fiction or fantasy because you have all that world building that you gotta do and you gotta balance that with the emotions and if there's no emotional connection to what's happening then you don't really have an ability to grab someone with the science fiction aspect of it um, you know, which differs from fantasy to a degree because fantasy like it kind of plays in a realm that feels like knights and stuff like that so that's not too far away from what we just kind of understand um but that's just a, uh, that's just an interesting thing the, th- that technique was uh kind of broken out more what's the woman's name who wrote bring it on um her name is uh that was her name uh Jessica Jessica Bettinger, I think her name is. Jessica Bettinger. That sounds right. Maybe she wrote something else. I don't remember. Anyway, I'll put a link to the show notes because uh, Barry was saying that he read it on John August's site. So I'll put a link to that whole process in the show notes. But again, it's like you write the beginning, middle, and end. So you have those like, you know, like three big beats. And then you do three beats underneath each of those and then you do three beats underneath each of those three beats and that gives you these the, the 27 total things that you're trying to you're trying to figure out and work out to help you know figure out your story because part of what makes like writing a screenplay difficult is it's such a big uh, it's just a big meal so you just got to approach it like one piece at a time the more you can break it down 
then the easier it is for you to approach. And it's easy to say, oh, well, here's the beginning, and mid- here's the beginning, middle, and end of this small sequence. And when that's over, that takes me into this next, it's the middle section of the, of the first act, and what's the beginning, middle, end of that? And then there's the, there's the ending of the, of, of, like, of the first act. What's the beginning, like, like middle, end, and, and end of that? And that's a way to just keep your story with the momentum. Because the problem with a lot of screenplays is with, when people are writing early drafts and stuff is they don't get the momentum going. They get, they, it's something that like I say is called zigzagging as opposed to going straight across, you zigzag. So you're going up and down with, you know, and you just spend too much time on certain pages or certain scenes that you think are interesting and, you know, that they are interesting, but you've been, but you've, enge- you've engaged too much uh, page real estate for what their value is in the actual piece. So when you look at it and you say, and also if you look at it, it's like, okay, so I've got 27 beats that I'm trying to figure out. Like ultimately, you know, then maybe it's not 27. I don't know. Some, it's some sort of breakdown. But you look at it and you go, okay, here's how long each of those sections like could be, should be ripped. Because, you know, you know that you're only going to do 110 to 120 pages. And then you look at it and you go, okay, so this section is going to be this many pages. This section can be this many pages. This section can be this many pages. And then when you start getting too heavy in a section, you know, well, then you know, I got to pare that down. Or or maybe I got to, like, figure out a way to tell that uh, more efficiently so I can get to here, to here, to here. I mean... It's just a, you know, just an interesting like, thing that I was reading that Craig Mazin had wrote about, you know, one of the things about screenplay structure is that screenplay structure, like, outside of that beginning, middle, and end, you know, the rest of it, like, everything, this, the Robert McKee or the, or the Blake Schneider stuff, that's all people who are looking at it from, they're, they're, they're analyzing it. They're looking at it after it's complete, as opposed to when you're writing it, you write it, you know, you have to write it more from the gut. Um, and, and you just got to know this kind of like a, a understanding of pacing. Um, because probably everyone who writes really, really good scripts and gets the awards and gets their movies made and gets the big jobs and things like that and keeps getting going on assignments, they don't follow like some blueprint. They just go, second act is going to be this. It's going to be this type of journey. And then it's because you have seen enough movies and you know enough about what life is. And when someone's telling you, it's like when someone's telling you a story and they bore you, that's when you know, oh, they don't know how to tell the story right because they're like putting too much emphasis on something that's not as important as the full story, the full length of the story. And you can, and when you when you watch enough movies, and you watch them like, and it's not just watching enough movies. It's the thing you got to do with the movies. You got to watch them something that you love. You got to watch it over and over and over and over again, so that you. It's not that you don't love it anymore, but you watch it to the point so you understand you know, the reason why it worked. You see where, oh, that's the turn they made. That's where the arc was planted there in that, like, that's in scene three of the movie that's going to pay off, you know, like, right after the midpoint. That's where that's going to play. And 
you know and so like those and that is what you get by watching a lot of films is that you get a that sense of understanding about like how the pacing goes because that's the one thing that like i got really good at was understanding the pacing of the work that i do you know um i mean the rest of it is still like an issue like like getting emotionally attached and making sure that 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 everything is clear and things like that i mean like like those are always the the what you do on subsequent drafts it's it's, you know and there's the rewrite process you know there's a really great book um and lamott's book it's called like bird by bird which is what everyone should be reading uh more so than like screenwriting books because she's just a creative writing um i would say guru but i don't want to say that word she's just that's a really important book to read about creative writing because she'll she just lets you know like you know like there's a whole she got a chapter in there about you call like shitty first drafts like to give yourself the permission to write a shitty first draft because you know what nobody writes like really really good first drafts um and that's just that's the nature of it because you haven't like you know and and that's where coming with the pacing and whittling things down and you're gonna write scenes too long and you're gonna write scenes too short um you, you know and you're gonna write scenes that don't move the story forward at all like those are the the highest points on the zigzag is stories that might seem cool but don't move the story along at all so um you know, I just is something I was, I don't know, this is something I was thinking about, just because, like, I'm in the middle of, of, of writing a movie, and I'm going to write another one, too, now that we have the break, because I'm going to have, like, at least two movies ready to go by the summer, um, you know, because who's working, you know, I'm not tied up with other jobs, and I'm waiting for the stimulus check to come, um, that, pro- that probably won't come, <laughs> so just, like, you know, I'll be working uh, with I'll change my diet to like you know Snickers bars and Red Bull um, to just get through the next like two or three weeks. But anyway, that's just some 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 writing stuff, um, you know. Because so much of it, I you know I, I mention this all the time. This really interesting memo that David Mamet wrote to his t- writers on the on, on the unit, and just kind of like explaining how scenes work. Because that's the main thing about, like, writing scripts is getting the scenes right. Because um, once you know what, like, like where the scene is supposed to begin and then where the scene is supposed to end, that is how you make your scenes lean. And when the scenes are lean, they, they, they read with the right amount of pacing that you want them to do. And, you know, that means you got to just figure out, like, all those little turns in the scene. Like, he's going to do this. She's going to say this. It's going to move here, here, here. And then, bam, it's going to turn. And and then we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, again, that's that whole beginning, middle of an end. And it's like the beginning of the scene. Like, you got to know really where that is. And you can't really fit a lot of filler language ahead of that. Um just a little bit like you know like maybe like like one exchange you know like like if two people are talking then it's like you know they may each might get you know like a dial like a like a dialogue for you a dialogue for me and then you got to get into the scene um 
and get it going and then get out as soon as you can and then you know but 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 you got to know where that mid the middle point of the scene is that little fulcrum moment that is where the conflict like reaches its apex and then you get out and that's you know the, the just it's so important in terms of like how you're going to pace the scene cuz then you know like like once you have the di- you know there's this I, someone was saying this I think like Janine Sherman was saying this one time about how quickly um the guy who wrote Twelve Years a Slave John Ridley how how he writes a lot of projects quickly because what does he do he just writes the dialogue like because that's the, the the key to the scene is the writing the dialogue because that's where you have like the conflict comes out and the turning points and and how you get out of the scene um then he goes back in and he figures out the the action because that's and the description and things like that because that stuff's important it's razor important to have that clear but you know, it's like that process I've mentioned before about doing different passes on your rewrite, where you just do a dialogue. Look, you just look at the dialogue. You do not do not read any of the action. You just read the dialogue, and uh, and you 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 know you probably gonna have to read some of the what I've called the the uh, uh, scene headings just to know where you are. But not even not necessarily. You just read the dialogue because it takes a it's a different type of brain type of chiseling that you do to get the dialogue straight and so um, I don't know I don't know that's that uh, what else did I want to talk about today I don't, I don't know this one might be short because I don't know I, I haven't done a lot you know I don't know I was watching this strange movie um, last night it's called The Night Porter by Liana uh Cavana or Cavania, she's an Italian director. Um, came to prominence in the seventies. This movie came out in nineteen seventy-four. Uh, I want to say she got nominated for the Oscar, not for the Night Porter, but I think for Swept Away, which was remade by Guy Ritchie with Madonna, maybe like fifteen years ago. But it was a movie that this woman had, this Italian woman had directed. But The Night Porter is just, just, I don't know, some people think it's trash and it's disgusting and a gar- garbage film. Um, but it has some imagery that, like, really, 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 really just, like, got kind of burned into the culture. Um, the Night Porter is about a SS man. So it's a Nazi film. It's in 1954, 1957, or something like that. Who, um, played by Dirk Bogard, who is kind of hiding out, kind of hiding out as a night porter in Vienna. And then he happens to stumble across in his hotel the woman who he used to torture and had a like a, a, a sadomasochistic relationship when she was in a concentration camp. Um, so that I was watching that movie the other night. It's just fascinating. Um, it's disturbing. It's not for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people would even get it. But um, I was watching it because I had watched uh, the new the the season five of Luther, which kind of came last year with much, not much fanfare. Um, but I started watching that, and I you know in the first episode it has to deal with. Um, it's not a short episode, but a guy who's got a, he's got a sexual fetish, 
and he gets um you know he's all into S and M and stuff like that. And but I but so then I just happened to be looking at the Criterion Collection. It was an interview with the director. You know she was talking about it, about her movie and what she wanted to do and how people were like talking about it. But it's um I don't know it's 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 worth watching. I don't think any of those films in the Criterion Collection are trash. They're just like um, acquired taste cinema, or there's cinema that made an impact that. Um, for whatever reason. I mean, the thing with the Night Porter is, you know, there's a very famous scene where Charlotte Rampling is, um, you know, it's, it's part of their ritual. She's, like, got, like, an SS hat on and, like, suspenders and is topless, and the suspenders kind of cover her nipples and stuff like that. But that's, like... But I realize it's, like, did that kind of imagery exist in the S&M culture before that movie came out? I don't know. Um, I, it's just interesting and because it was kind of clicking in my head when I was watching that that the episode of Luther. Um, but it's it, you know, watch the movie or and make your own assessments. Um, that's the thing about film is that film. Because the thing about the Night Porters is that I'd seen the movie before. I saw the movie like twenty years ago or something like that. I I remember watching it before and was a little un. Uh, I was unimpressed by the film because you know you hear it's one of these movies that's got like a, a reputation for being like a little bit um, just out there and I watched it and I was like what is this movie about you know but watching it now again uh, you know I was talking about this I talked about this last time about like watching movies again a second time because you know like where you are in your life might give you a different perspective on how you look at something particularly some sort of like psychosexual drama like this movie is and now I'm watching it and it's like the transfer is gorgeous it just looks gorgeous and um it's I I look I appreciate the film and what it's trying to do differently I appreciate the quiet moments in this movie and just like the the non-verbal acting that Dirk Bogard and Charlotte Rampling like go through um so that's I don't know maybe I've talked too much about that movie um, but it's interesting and then what else what else I don't even know is there anything else that I've I have, I've been watching I didn't watch a lot of, of stuff this week um, I just uh, what was I doing at night you know um, I'm thinking about writing a uh, a podcast like a narrative podcast um you know, because I don't know how, you know, like I said earlier, I don't think there's a, that they're going to go back into production with anything this year. I just think they might try. It's just, you know, unless they do, unless they institute that, that you've been tested and, have, and tested clear for that pass and allow, and allow those people to work um, if you have that pass. Uh, but then who gets tested? Because no one can get tested right now. No one's going to be able to get tested for a long, long time. I mean, like, all the millions of people have got to get tested. And is that going to be covered? But anyway, I still feel like there's going to be insurance problems. Because uh, I was I listening to this seminar that Effie Brown and some other people did on, like, uh, called My Producers, what it was called. It was on Friday. And this woman was talking about how she was in, you know, she was in Oklahoma, and they had shot some stuff of her, shot some of her movie, 
you know, she was the producer. And then the quarantine came and shut it down. And it's like, she's still kind of like, it's been a month and she's still, she's still sort of shell-shocked about what happened. But she was saying, like, but even before they got the order to shut it down, a bunch of people who had who weren't didn't had shot stuff and then left to do other material and then were supposed to come back were hesitant to come back because they're like, well, well we got to get on a plane. I don't know if we want to get on a plane. Um, and so I just think it's going to be weird with what happens with with any kind of production. And it'd be interesting to do like a, a podcast. I mean, I I, I listened to several. Um, you know, like ones that are narratives, and uh, you know, just it's kind of like writing like a radio play. Um, but I've, I've, but I've, there's two that I listened to. There was one I really, really loved. It was called Something Stars. Fuck, I forget what it's called. It was really good because it was more like it's kind of like a kind of like an audio book in a sense, but not the same. It was like multiple actors like talking it through, and at the same time. The the main character was also giving like that it, that internal monologue you get from from a book you know like speaking like speaking from the first person you know um, I don't know it's 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 something I I like to explore I don't know if it'll work I've never done it before but it's, it might be a good exercise just to work on like something that's like a small little radio play essentially what it is I just need a good story <laughs> um. So I have an idea for a story, but uh, it's, we'll see. It might be too. It might not be because it's. It, it, I, well, I don't know. The one I saw was the one I'm talking about. This Escape the Stars is about this people who are working in an alien lab. Or they, I'm sorry, a military lab. They have in charge of an alien, and then and then, and then they stole. The, oh, steal the stars was called steal the stars. Uh, I'll try to put that in the show notes too, if I can remember like everything I'm talking about. I know I didn't do show notes like last week because. I was fucking busy. Um, but I'll fill those out. Which reminds me, Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Because that's where we get to, ch- to get to do these things. And that's how we get to do the show notes. Is if you put money on the Patreon. Uh, I'm going to put a link now. I'm setting it up actually right now like as I'm recording this. So it's, screen- it's screenwritersrr.com slash Patreon. P-A-T- R-E-O-N ScreenwritersRR.com slash Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N You can click that and you can like like donate $2, $5, $16 for the mug uh, There's like a, a photo There's a photo on there for a 2001 mug But um, Maybe you guys like You know like like want to write in and, and we'll have like a little contest On what another mug design Could be or maybe I'll just do like a special edition one and kind of like, you know, you know, I had this one. I did a T-shirt called Queens of Cinema. So maybe I'll just do like a Queens of Cinema mug. It had like, you know, like Ava DuVernay and and uh, and uh, Casey Lemons and just had their names and an interesting kind of little like piece of graphic on there. So maybe I'll do that as a mug. Um, if people could get that. Um and then there might, or or there might be like, and there might be like a, a like an alternate screenwriter's rant room logo on one of the mugs. Uh, who knows? But that's what will be available on the Patreon um, shortly. Uh, but but you, but you can subscribe if you go to screenwritersrr.com/slash/patreon. So um, that's what I was thinking about. 
I'm trying to think what else was interesting, you know. Um, I just, it's, it's weird that we're in this time of, uh, to a degree, complete leisure, but not with the ability to do things outside. And this is always an interesting concept that I think about in terms of what happens in like 15, 20 years when there's the job situation change. Like if people are out of work because automation and things like that. You know, I, I think that's what, like this thing right now is a dress rehearsal for that. Um, but anyway, uh, was, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm reading this interesting little book called Path of the Assassin. It's like a, a Japanese like samurai a manga. You know, I'm a huge fan of Lone Wolf and Cub. Huge, huge fan of Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, honestly, like if someone said, "Hey, is there any kind of like comic book that, that you would want to do as a movie?" Um, there's very few that I would want to do just because of all the fan service. But there's like two or three little like mangas or animes that I would say I want to do those. I really want to do those. But this one I'm reading, Path of the Assassin. I guess there's like 15 volumes that Dark Horse put out. Ah, I've had this book for years, maybe like 10 years. I just said volume one. You know, and it's interesting because I have like the same, there's like a digest size thing or the size they are when they're published in Japan where it's like, uh, what, it's like five inches by four inches or something like that, or maybe six inches. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird size. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like five by four. And it's also what's cool is it's like it's printed in reverse, in the way that Jap you know how Japanese like how they read from, you know from from top to bottom from right to left. So that's how like like the layout is on this, which is kind of interesting to like to try to wrap your head around when you're reading. But it's just a comic, so you just get like follow like the direction of the of the panels. But that's the thing that makes comics cool is that guys who really know how to use those panels to guide your eye is what uh, that's that's how you know if you, if you get a really really good comic artist you can just you can figure the action out like without even reading the the dialogue just like a good director you can figure out the action what the story is without having to listen to it um what else I'm close to finishing up all the title work on the the post work on the web series that Hillary and I did called Ticker uh, it's taking a little longer than than everyone anticipated. I mean, I thought we'd be done by the end of February. Here it is, April. But um, it's you know, it's just, I just I I don't know. It's just there's a bit there's a bit of restlessness going on with the virus thing. Because obviously, I could have just knocked everything out in like one day with what I had to do, or maybe two days. This, but it just didn't work out that way. Um, I'm a little disappointed in myself with that, but. What are you going to do? There's like a, a weird degree of anxiety that everyone is suffering. Um, and it's kind of easier for me to, to write stuff because I can just channel the anxiety into uh, the pages and words as opposed to like, you know, creating titles and trying to get timing right and things like that. Um, you know, then you're working with other people. It's just, you know, there's a lot more kind of collaboration and you're dealing with other people's. Uh, anxiety too, and then no one's admitting that they're, they're they're anxious about stuff. But you know that's the case. Um, yeah, but Path of the Assassins is really really cool. It's like about these uh, these boys who are getting trained to be ninjas. Uh, <laughs> it's really cool. I, you know, I'm not sure if I'd make it do it to a. I mean, I it, I'm surprised that this and like Lone Wolf and Cub aren't shows on Netflix because. 
um, you know, they do, there's all that Korean stuff coming out, like the Kingdom and things like that. And I always, you know, they did do these, the Lone Wolf and Cubs movies in the 70s, like they're called like Baby, the Baby Card Assassin series is what it's called. But it'd be kind of cool to see it done now, done today. I mean, I think those samurai movies were all really fascinating. Um, I know, I know they were doing a version of Shogun. Uh, I remember reading about it last year, actually, that FX was doing a version of Shogun, that old James Cavell novel that they did a, a miniseries on back in the late seventies, and uh, I, I I love that book. I loved it. Uh, I'm a little confused, though, as, as to why they would make it. They would make it now. Um, you know, it's such like one of these stories that that is, I think, particularly offensive now. Where it's about this guy, uh, John Blackthorne. He's English. And he's on a Portuguese ship that comes to Japan. Like one of the first people, to, you know, when, it's when Japan was still closed off. It's in all the samurai era, and there's, there was no white men there, everything like that. Just a few of these Portuguese uh, um, uh, missionaries, stuff like that. And it's about how this white guy comes in and just becomes like the top shit in Japan. It's sort of like um, Last Samurai, which everybody had a fucking problem with, and that movie was like. At least fifteen years old, and you know, and obviously when they made Shogun the move, the miniseries in like seventy, I don't know, seventy seventy nine, you know, people were people were very comfortable with, with having the white man come in and just take over and and be better at you know Japanese culture than the Japanese, and you know get the woman and all this kind of shit like that, and that's so I'm curious to see what they're gonna do with they if they do Shogun or if, if or if this just just doesn't get this massive backlash because of what the inherent piece of the story is. But so you could take Baby Card Assassin, you could do Lone Wolf and Cub and make that, and then you're not dealing with that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, but, I mean, and Netflix is not afraid to, like, doing these all-Asian productions because they're obviously doing it with, like, there's that one with the guy who starred in The Raid. He was in some, like, kung fu modern-day thing. I can't remember what it was called. I watched part of it, a couple episodes of it, like, earlier in the year. I don't remember what it was called. Um, it didn't really hold my attention. But, you know, uh, just because I don't know. One of those, again, it's one of those things where they spent too much time trying to... Um, uh, it, it felt like it felt like what the problem I was saying earlier about science fiction films. It's like they have this really interesting world going on of like this in Chinatown in San Francisco, and there's like mystic stuff going on. Like it kind of feels like something pulled out of Big Trouble in Little China. But they spend all this time in the in the so much so much like expository info dumps, as if they believe that uh, American audiences be about. You know, I don't know, like the magic. I don't know. So one of the things about a a lot of the shows about magic and stuff like that is that they do these bad info dumps. And I don't know if you need to do all that. I think audiences are smart enough to like to let it uh, kind of feel out. Because particularly with all those type of shows, like Legacies, I was watching some of this. Um, does this and it's that the main character or or one of the primary characters that you're following he's new to the world so he's learning things so he's the surrogate for the audience 
And it's like, you know, don't have the, these just like, uh, let's stop and talk for 15 minutes and explain everything. It's not 15 minutes, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see if, if they... If, if Netflix wants to do something exciting with uh, samurai films, because that Kingdom thing, which is like a set in Korea, it's like a Korean kind of like like the same era as like samurais in terms of that kind of like you know like not feudal Japan because it's in Korea, but it's you know that 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 before the current modern era in Korea when there's a zombie outbreak, and um, it's on Netflix. I think it's on two seasons. Um, and it's just like the, the, the what I love about the pilot because I only watched the pilot and I only discovered it recently because I saw the you know thing about Netflix is that you know they have so much content that you don't even know what the fuck is is even on there. But there was a billboard for this for the second season, so I was like, oh, let me see this. Cause I love this type of stuff. Um, it's just like the pageant, the clothing, the costume is so is so fascinating. It's so rich. It's so rich. And um, it's more rich than like the European type of film, the type of that same era, you know, 14th, 15th century kind of stuff. Um, it's just richer in terms of like colors and things like that. And the, 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 the castles are different. It's all wooden and stuff. It's different and it's unique and it's uh it's un- it's 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 not exploited the way that you know renaissance i mean how many renaissance like borgia things are we going to see or you know i mean that stuff's all cool but it's like i'd rather see a story set during that time period that's about like a gang of thieves or something like that uh who have to do something you know like you kind of like do an oceans 11 set in like renaissance italy you know there's a really really good book that has something that's really what's it called it's called The Enchantress of Florence by Salman Rushdie and it kind of like delves into this weird stuff like that um you know part of it's in Florence at this time and the part of it is in like the Mughal Empire in in, in India and I just uh it's yeah, I don't know there's just stuff like that, that that might be more interesting to see because you haven't seen it and you know so just go ahead and do it and, and use the same technique they used when they shot the Mandalorian with all these fake backgrounds, and then you're not really spending that kind of money. Um, but speaking of money, I must talk to you about the Patreon page again because I really think a lot of people are um, they're not getting down with that. And I know it's a tough time, everybody, but it'd be dope if people would get like would get down with that. So again, it's at screenwritersrr.com/slash/patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N screenwritersrr.com slash patreon um that would be really great if people just you know uh got the mugs i mean or the little i, I don't know like you know maybe i'll I, I guess there needs to be like maybe like another tier of just like co it'd be co i'll put it up there be co-executive producer is what it'll be that's what it'll be um and uh you know there's like you know the people who who have supported I don't have the list in front of me. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Of 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 everyone who who does support con- consistently, and I really really appreciate that. So does Hilliard, and so does Lisa. You know, because because I know Hilliard got this new mixing board that we, we used in the last two episodes. Fortunately, we only get to use it on two episodes. Um, but we should have talked. We were experimenting with Zencaster today about how he and I will be able to like at least do a group recording for us and then we'll send a microphone to Lisa and get her so we can so the three of us can like continue to do the show as a group 
um, you know, going forward, and then maybe I'll drop like these battle episodes like in between, or you know, but I, I, I've, I have no idea. I have no idea. But he, here we go, region like close to forty minutes again, just babbling. Um, what stuff to look at? It could be cool. So there's a new Amazon show called Tales from the Loop that I thought was pretty fascinating. At least the pilot. I haven't watched any more, but I'm gonna watch more of that. Um, there's a really interesting thing on Vox about some interesting movies that were coming out. One called The Other Lamb looks really, really cool. I want to see that. Uh, there's one called The Hottest, The Hottest August, which is this documentary filmmaker just explored what happened in the August of 2017, which, which so far was the hottest August on record. Um, and that's through this thing called Grasshopper Releasing which is interesting because it's like a releasing platform that does these virtual a virtual theater in terms of you know like you're going to watch this thing on your computer but the money is split between that site grasshopper and one of these there's a slew of 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 independent theaters that are part of it you know like there's like the there's the Gene Siskel like film center in Chicago like that's part of it so if you're in Chicago and you and you want to watch these movies you know, and you want to support that that film th- venue at, uh, during this crackdown, lockdown. Um, then the money that you buy, if you're going to buy that ticket, is going to be split with them and split with the grasshopper people. I think there should be more of that. I think that's a really interesting way that you could do something to keep cinema alive, the theaters alive. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm not going to. I'm not going to edit that out. That sneeze. Um, hopefully I'm not sick with the coronavirus. Could be, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's maybe... What, what else? Was anything new that looked like it came out that I wanted to see? Freud looks interesting on... Um, <laughs> on Netflix. And then I heard that, that like a bunch of like the Studio Ghibli films are on coming on Netflix. I thought they came out on 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 April 1st, but I didn't I only I looked for like House Moving Castle and Spirited Away, but I didn't see those. Um so I I don't know, there was some article I read and then it, I didn't see them on there. So but but maybe some of those are on there. Um anything else? It's, I'm trying to think of I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like reading. I'm reading a lot right now. Uh, what am I reading? I'm just reading short stories. I'm reading the Paris Review, like I always like to read. Um, I'm reading uh, what else? I don't even know what else I'm reading. Uh, this book on Genghis Khan, which is really fascinating. Um, I'm reading. Uh, I'm, I'm rereading uh, Miles Davis's autobiography. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess that's it. That's it. So again, I want to thank you guys for listening for these like 40 minutes um and you know if you got questions i think it's uh screenwriters rr at gmail.com uh you can follow the show at screen at, uh, at screenwriters rr on twitter you can follow me on twitter at um unauthorized cbd i'm also on instagram i'm on instagram a lot more than i am on twitter uh, just because I like to like post photos and shit that nothing to do with me, just like things that I'm thinking about. Um, and I guess that's it. You can follow you can follow Lisa at what fresh hell is this? Is her Instagram? Sorry, her Twitter. She doesn't do Instagram. Uh, maybe it's just like Lisa Bolakasha, but it's that's about it. Um, 
I don't know. I, I have some comics that I'm going to read tonight. So I'm not going to recommend those yet because I haven't read them. Um, but we'll see. Some Rick Remender stuff. Uh, the, the the final of his Black Science stuff, which I guess ended last year, but I haven't but I didn't read it yet. And then uh, I want to get his Fear Agent book too, which is something that really set him off. It's pretty old, but that's what that's going to be. Um, and what else? What else? Uh, oh, some other comics, but I we'll see. If the, I don't want to talk about them too, unless I read them and I like them. Um, but anyway, that's it for this episode of the Bottle episode of the Screamwriters Rant Room. We appreciate you listening during this difficult time, and um, you know, go to the website screenwritersrr.com, and we will look forward to hearing your questions. Uh, you can ask me anything on Twitter. You can ask Hero anything on Twitter. You can send the questions if you want. You know. Um, better explanation of that the Barry Jenkins technique for writing outlines for features I can talk to you about that further if you send an email to to screenwritersrr at gmail.com that's it alright we will see you next week I'ma say what I feel and I promise to keep it real welcome to the red room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the rent room